Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This season, I'm obsessed with Superfit Hero. Just like us, Superfit Hero is on a mission to make fitness more inclusive. But instead of a podcast, they make fun premium activewear sizes extra small to 5XL. Oh, and their leggings don't just fit our bodies. They have pockets too. This season, you can use code SAF for 15% off Superfit Heroes leggings, shorts, and sports bras. I have an amazing set from them, and I also have bike shorts that I wear like 24-7. They're comfy, they don't roll up, and I get compliments every time I wear an outfit with them, so why don't you match with me? Head to superfithero.com SAF for your next comfy workout or lounge day. Use code SAF on superfithero.com. We are doing a collaboration with Daisy LA, which is an indie fashion brand local to LA run by our friend, Danny Nagel. We collaborated on a beautiful shirt with a design that features bodies of several shapes and sizes and abilities dancing and hanging out and having a great time and the phrase allies of all size on it. It's a really beautiful expression of the Fat Molly's vibe and we're so excited to offer it to y'all. If you want to get your hands on our collab shirt, follow the link in the show notes and go to daisyla.com. When you use code SAF, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase of all Daisy brand items. We have sizing descriptions and more about the shirt on our Instagram at she's all fat pod. So again, that's code SAF at Daisy LA for 10% off Daisy brand items. Wear that shirt to show you're a part of the fat Malay. Woohoo! I'm Sophie. I'm April. And this is She's All Fat, the podcast for body positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. This week, we're continuing our conversation about fat ethical fashion, this time with Nicolette Mason of Pram and Allie Ayers of Bissy Swim. April, what do you have to say? I'm recording before bed. Okay, now we've got some more obsessions from our girl, April. Okay, what's up, everybody? I'm back. It's April again. I'm obsessed with some stuff. I hope you're good. I hope you're obsessed with some stuff in a healthy, supportive way for you and not a destructive way. (laughs) I just hope you're enjoying yourself. We're having a hot girl supper. Amen? (laughs) Amen. So, (laughs) here are my obsessions. Number one. 
Just like everyone else on Twitter, I'm getting into Love Island. Believe it or not, I was not into Love Island from the beginning. I just, like, it missed me somehow. You know, I'm late to British stuff, but also, like, I kind of lately feel like I'm tapped out on reality TV, you know. I'm booked and busy with my 90-day fiancé, and I haven't had a lot of space in my heart for new reality TV. That said, a new friend from work begged me to watch Love Island. She said, especially since I like Terrace House, I might like the juxtaposition of this being like the most absolute garbage fire version of Terrace House and she's absolutely correct. Now here's the thing. I'm only a couple episodes in and I'm starting with season five so I can't give you the like full tea full perspective on the show. What I will say is I'm having a blast watching it so far sort of in the background while I do other things. The people are extremely entertaining. They seem to have no uh, like moral compass or soul like they don't operate like normal people the last episode I was watching a young woman was crying because a man that she met 48 hours prior had been disappointed in her for going on a date with a new man and she really liked the original man because he had a surfer look and she was into surfer dudes and so she was crying and I thought to myself I said April, that's not how normal people operate. And it intrigued me. So I like Love Island. I like the fact that they're all sort of in like basically one large bed together. I don't understand it. I love to watch them like zombies getting ready in the morning and, and talking about who kissed who. Like, I like the rude narrator. I just, it's so bizarre to me and like almost uncomfortable to watch, but I can't look away. So I'm obsessed with Love Island. That's number one. Number two, Younger, which I've been hyping to you for years now. If you haven't watched Younger, I assume it's because you hate me. Younger is back. It's season six. I think it's on a new network. I don't know. I don't have cable. I just buy it on Amazon. It's the best. It is back. Better than ever. I feel like Younger is such an incredible show because it reinvents itself every year. So, like, this year is a totally different show than last year. The stakes are different. The circumstances are different. The characters are the same, but they're growing. They're getting new outfits. They're in new relationships. There's maybe a new child or two. I am obsessed with Younger. You need to be watching Younger. Once again, if you aren't watching Younger, I'm taking it personally. Next up, okay, a problematic fave. If you don't know about why Daniel Caesar is problematic, I'm not going to tell you. Go ahead and Google it. It's a whole thing. I don't want to get into it. We all have our problematic faves. I don't want to talk about it. Whatever. Leave me alone. Live my life. You live your life. Okay. So Daniel Caesar is a singer. He's Canadian. He has a new album out and I was really trying to like resist because again, he is really problematic, but I saw that he has a song with Brandy. And if you know anything about me, then you know that Brandy Norwood is like literally my Achilles heel. Like... (laughs) I love Brandy Norwood. She's my black Cinderella. She low-key killed somebody in the early thousands. She was the voice of an angel, okay? She apologized for that thing with the lady in the early thousands. Um, They have a song together on this new album, so I was like, oh my god, okay, let me just quickly peek in, like, low-key, just want to feel it out. Turn it on. It's incredible. It's so beautiful. Their voices melt together like peanut butter and chocolate, okay? It is incredible. Um, So you need to check out his new album. It's called, like, so it's like something about therapy. It's called like therapy three or like, 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 like sessions in therapy. Like hit some theme about like exploring your inner demons or whatever. It doesn't matter. He has the voice of an angel, sort of like neo soul alternative, very introspective. I listened to him in private. Again, he is problematic. He is canceled. That said, 
I love the album. And that's it. Back to you, Soph. Okay, my obsessions this week um, are number one, I've had this song stuck in my head (laughs) all week. I'm going to link in the show notes this emo song playlist that one of my Instagram friends made because it's really throwing me back. There's like a emo night dance night at one of the places here in LA and it's really fun to go and just feel like middle school again if you're my age, so like 28. Um, But the song, Hey, I Can Get Sexual Too, remember that song? It's just been like in my head all week. Maria, drop a clip. It will appear to me as this room And for eternity I'd lay in bed In my boxers half stone with the pillow under my head I'd be chatting on the interweb Maggots prey upon the living dead I had no interest in the things she said On the phone every day I'll permanently in the hay Um, and my second obsession is like weekend trips. This summer, I'm doing a couple weekend trips with my like different groups of best girlfriends, and I'm just really excited for all of them. I'm on one right now, and it's just like really nice and restorative. Being in LA is amazing. I love LA, but sometimes you just need to get out for a little bit. Going somewhere else in a new context always feels like somehow it's more special than just spending time at my house all weekend with my friends, even if we're doing the exact same thing. I don't know. Something about being in a new place, even if you're just hanging out at an Airbnb that you all chipped in for, is like really special. Weekend trips forever. Okay. And finally, I'm using this new bunch of like serums and oils. I really like the Kiehl's like cannabis face oil, not to be like a stereotype, but it's really soothing and nice. I really like it. I'm also really liking using my three different, very trusty sunscreens. Number one, Kula brand sunscreen. I like their face glow drops. Number two, Dr. Barber's Derm. These are too expensive. Like don't buy these, but they're really nice. They're like the, definitely the nicest face sunscreen I have because it's like absurdly expensive. Um, I got like a sample pack that had like a couple different of the Dr. Barber's Derm things in it and they're really great, but like again, too expensive. And then number three, Super Goop sunscreens, also obsessed with. I just have like also a lot of the Neutrogena baby ones I just throw in my bag so I can swipe it on my chest or on my like, you know, ear, neck area. Because don't forget those areas. Gotta sunscreen yourself this summer, babes. Let's move on to our Apple Podcast review shout outs. Thank you so much to the following people for leaving a review. The more you do, the closer we get to maybe sometime in the future, at some point, perhaps being on New and Noteworthy. Thank you to the following people Mayor 111996, Sophia at Swanky Grandma, The Amber Show, DYNTYNE, Dintane. I don't know. M Case 92 and Tanika Ann. Thank y'all so much. And also, we'd like to give shout outs to some of our patrons, the people who give us money on patreon.com and get some audio and a bunch of other stuff in return are the ones who allow us to keep doing this show. So thank you so much to y'all. Like, we depend on you much more than like anything else. So um, thank you all to Terry Rodak. Laura F, 
Sarah King, Harry Minot, Harry, we love you, Harry, Sarah Ross, and Elysia Rian Koloa Matangi. Thank you all so much for being our patrons. All right, moving on to tip jar. I wanted to let y'all know that our intern Freya started a fat fashion Instagram. You can follow them at freya.isfat for cute fun pics and style inspiration. We're also featuring Freya and um, other people on our Instagram every Tuesday as part of what we're calling Fashion Tuesday. I asked for sewing tips a while ago on my personal Instagram, and one of our Hannahs, Katie Hitchcock, wrote in with some sweet tips. I'm sharing them here for all of y'all who listen to our Seems Fake episode and also want to sew clothes for yourself. So Katie said, check out the Love to Sew podcast. Um, Some of the later episodes have great info about fabric, sewing machines, sergers, and other helpful tips. Also, Clothes Making Mavens is another sewing podcast and has unique tips like sewing for menstruation. Um, Check out the Curvy Sewing Collective, which is specifically on plus size sewing, and they have a Facebook group. And then um, she also sent in some info about machines, and we will put a little bit of that in the show notes. Um, Thanks, Sewing Hannah. Let us know if y'all listen to those podcasts. I do want to give a little warning that the Love to Sew podcasts have some, quote, size cringy stuff in the early episodes is what um, this Hannah said, but uh, the later ones are supposedly really helpful. So let us know if you are a sewing Hannah, if you like to make your own clothes. I'm interested in this. I really want to start making my own clothes. Okay. Call for submissions. What does your queer body look like? If you are queer, let us know like how you think about your body in terms of fatness and queerness and like if those things intersect for you and how. Um, we have an upcoming episode with the two wonderful hosts of Nancy podcast, and that's what we talked about. We want to include some voice memos from y'all. Um, And finally, we have a shout out to our Facebook group, of course. Um, This week, people are talking about purity culture, their first tattoos, and what you add to your scrambled eggs. Um, If you join our Patreon at uh, Team Paisley Moo Moo, then you can be in the Facebook group. And if you join at Team I Love Bread, you get an extra mini sewed every week. Um, so thank y'all again for being a part of our family and here we go into the meat of it. The meat of it. Welcome to part two in our series on fashion. Last time you tuned in, we talked to Carissa of Fat Girl Flow, Katie of Ori, and Danny from Daisy LA. Definitely a good primer on how indie brands can produce some quality, ethical, plus-size clothes. You may have also heard our sponsored mini-sode with Eleven Honoré, which touched on some more high fashion questions. Today, we're going to dive even deeper to the specifics of production with Nicolette Mason of Prem, and then talk swimsuits with Allie Ayers of Busy Swim. Let's do it. Here we are with 
the incredible Nicolette Mason, Hi. one half of Prem, one whole herself. <laughs> Honestly, you don't need an introduction, but do you want to introduce yourselves oh to our listeners? I would never assume I don't need an introduction. So a little bit about me. My name is Nicolette Mason. I'm a Los Angeles native. I kind of fell into the body positive fashion, capital F fashion world a little over a decade ago. I had started as a blogger and was brought in-house at Marie Claire as a contributing editor and columnist there for the page Big Girl in a Skinny World. I was there for five years. I want to say I did not name the column that. I inherited it, but it was a really amazing experience. From there, I had a lot of different consulting opportunities for brands ranging from ASOS to Target, Eloquy, ModCloth, Additional, um, designed a couple of capsule collections with other brands. And about four years ago, Gabby and I, Gabby Gregg, who definitely doesn't need an introduction, <laughs> got together and just were at this place of frustration, but also extreme optimism and enthusiasm for where the plus size industry was going and decided to join forces and work on creating a brand. Uh, about two years later, that brand, Prem, came to life. We launched July of 2018 as a size 12 to 30 brand, and it's been a lot of fun. Well, I know for me and for a lot of other listeners, you were definitely like the first slash main like plus size blogger that I followed when I was getting into body positivity. I read your column and then I was like, okay, I'll try this. <laughs> and like found you on Instagram and then I was like, hmm, she seems happy. <laughs> like I was very suspicious of it. I know, right? It's like, wait, you can like be different yeah. and happy. It was and, wild to me. Yeah. I saw you being like femme and like also queer and mm -hmm. fat. That was like part of my journey to figuring out that I was bi was being like, oh, you can be fat and queer and not like more mask or androgynous. I didn't know that because totally. I've never seen that before. I know. Visibility is really powerful in that way yeah. because you kind of need to see a possibility of something. Yeah, that was a really revolutionary thing for my own, like coming out and my self-discovery journey was like meeting other femmes and then meeting fat femmes yeah. and like meeting people who love their bodies. So yeah, it's, it's powerful shit. And I think that's like, it's a very full circle thing for me of why Gabby and I created our line too is because we know the power of visibility and of seeing a mirror of yourself and we wanted in some capacity to like be able to hold up a mirror for more people. Early in our days when we were pitching ourselves to different companies and looking for partners, you know, they would talk a lot about like mass appeal and we're like, well, we don't want to appeal to every single person. Yeah. Like to me, that's part of the failure of the plus size fashion industry as a whole is that it treats the plus size consumer like it's one person. Yeah. And that's not true. Like there should be really, in my opinion, a plurality of points of view and voices and things that appeal to different lifestyles, different types of people, because that's where you get diversity. Yeah. <laughs> that's where you get to have fun and create your own lane a little bit. But you know, also on the flip side of it, like in order to be a business that thrives and survives, like things do need to sell.
I want to go through some of the behind the scenes of Prem. Mm-hmm. What is your like elevator pitch for Prem? Like, what is the fashion point of view for Prem? So for us, the really really short point of view is that we want to be a destination for the body positive it girl, quote unquote. Girl can be any gender, mm-hmm. by the way. Who really wants to have fun with fashion? Who does feel confident in their body and wants a place where they can go to self express? So we really were looking at the market and the white space that we saw was kind of contemporary fashion for someone who has aged out of brands like yeah. Forever 21 or Fashion Nova, like, but who aren't necessarily a Lane Bryant customer either. Like, where does that person go? We just felt like there was virtually no brands that really spoke to that person. And it you know helps a lot that we are that person. We are in a community with those people. And so we were hearing like pretty consistent feedback along those lines that like, I want a top shop. I want mm-hmm. something like Zara. I don't know that either of those brands are are going to be having this inclusivity conversation in a meaningful no, way. I don't, I don't think, I think it's literally not their brand. And I also don't, and this is, I realize like fairly controversial to say, I don't necessarily think every brand should do that. Um, especially if it's just a money grab, if they're not going to be thoughtful about it and truly include that customer and that voice in a meaningful way, if they're not going to think about fit and invest in fit in a really conscious way, I don't want Topshop to just be like, okay, fine. Like we'll add a couple more sizes so you guys can shut up about this. Like I'm not not looking for Brandy Melville to make like a plus size. You know? Right, like to me, that's not that's that's a money grab. That's yeah. not a meaningful expansion. So, given that that was your starting point, now what happens when you design a piece of clothing? Like, mm-hmm. walk me through the production process. It's kind of like different for every piece of clothing, but generally, it starts for us with style first and design first. So we will think about specific silhouettes or colors or fabrics, textures. Sometimes it starts with the fabric um, and we design around that material and the sourcing becomes a big part of the conversation. But it's generally like myself and Gabby saying, oh my God, I wish I could wear a pink glitter suit. (laughs) That is where we go. And then we're like, okay, where the fuck do we get a pink glitter fabric? (laughs) Like that is generally how it works. So, um, and the sourcing side of it is actually like, really, really tricky and and probably one of the places that I think like on the consumer side, we take for granted the most. And it becomes especially important in the plus size conversation because of the standard width of fabrics. I think when brands say things like, oh, the materials cost too much, it's literally because they are constrained by the width of the fabric. Can you explain what that means? So if I'm making a maxi skirt and I know that it's it's a very full maxi skirt and the yield, so that's the amount of fabric that you need on average per size run. Okay. So if I'm making sizes 12 to 30, I need to take into consideration like the average number of yards per piece. So it's like very granular and technical. That's what I think is interesting. People yeah. don't know this at all. So if, if I know that my yield per piece is about 14 yards of fabric. Meaning that's the amount of fabric you need to make the skirt. Yeah, like on average. So the size 12 will need fewer yards, the size 30 will need more yardage and so on. All of that affects then how you create the pattern for the fabric. Mm -hmm. So the pieces that we're literally 
you know, cutting and then sewing together, it, it all kind of has to be mapped out. Literally, it, it's more fabric to make the clothing. It's in order to map it out and create this puzzle where you're being as efficient as possible. It becomes very just tricky and challenging based on the width of the fabric. There is just a lot that goes into each of those decisions and that affects the ultimate design also because, you know, if the fabric that we're designing into it ends up being $150 for just the raw materials without labor, cutting, sewing, design, um, trims, packing, shipping, etc. Yeah, All of those go into your cost of goods. So once Nicolette has her design and fabric, they have to make a fit pattern and a fit sample, which they fit directly on a model using the sample size 18 or 20. And then the design goes into grading. Oh, grading. Remember that? Carissa told us about it in part one. That's where the design gets made into all of its other sizes. And it's hard for plus size designers because the grading between plus sizes is way bigger than between straight sizes. That's why some straight size clothing designers try to expand their sizes just by grading up their original designs. And when they do that, their clothes don't freaking fit. Like a size 20 graded from a straight size actually fits more like a 14 or 16. So when you're making plus sizes, it's really essential to create a whole new fit and pattern and change the grading system. All right, let's jump back into that maxi skirt we're making. So this is a really, really important piece. And I think especially when people compare super mass market brands versus smaller brands or independent brands and so on is not something that can be understated. The quantity and volume at which a company produces clothing greatly impacts the cost of goods. Yeah. Say a brand like Target is producing 20,000 units of the maxi skirt. It might cost them only $20 to make it because Mm -hmm. the more you make, the cheaper it gets. There's like a whole economies of scale that happens. For us to produce 100 of them, it might cost $80. Mm -hmm. I'm just like throwing numbers out that have no basis in reality. But the fewer that you make, the more expensive it is to produce them, even though your cost of development, whether you're a target level or you're a prem level, are relatively fixed. Mm -hmm. It costs the same amount to develop a piece of clothing, whether you're making 50 or 100 or 10,000. So if you're able to make 10,000, the cost of development across those 10,000 pieces, you know, is divided by 10,000. Yeah. If you're only making 50 or 100, it's a much more significant cost. And so one of the things I've heard before is like, oh, well, then why don't you make more of them? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. But when you go into production, you actually have to pay for it yeah. ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if we wanted to make 10,000 maxi skirts, we would have to pay for the production and for the materials and for the labor for 10,000 skirts. Yeesh, 10,000 skirts? Sounds stressful. Nicolette told me that there are a few important factors that help her and Gabby figure out how many skirts or other pieces to produce. Number one, availability of fabric. If you only have 600 yards of cheetah print fabric, you can only make so many cheetah print maxi skirts. Number two, demand. That's how many skirts they think they'll sell. Number three, size ratio. This goes back to the puzzle. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. pieces thing, there has to be a set ratio across the size run in order to cut the patterns and make that whole puzzle work together. And cost. Making 10,000 skirts is expensive. Now that we all know exactly how to produce large-scale extended sizing and also cute designs, (laughs) I wanted to talk to Nicolette about changes she wants to see in the larger fashion production world that would make this process a lot easier for her and Gabby. Personally, as someone who owns a brand, someone who is thinking very much at the forefront of a lot of these conversations. I've worked with so many brands. The education piece of it is really one of the biggest hurdles. Primarily, that's because for the majority of plus-size customers, there's never been many options. Yes. When you've been deprived of access to a thing and you've only ever experienced it in this one framework, in this one way, one format, it can be very difficult to understand other approaches. So if people are conditioned to only being able to shop from Walmart, Kohl's, JCPenney, et cetera, when you suddenly have a Prem or a Mara Hoffman or a Veda or Universal Standard, and they all have very different approaches to manufacturing, to, to the to supply sizing. chain in general. Yeah, to the to exactly yeah. to sizing, to fabrics, to sourcing, to labor. It's no longer like an apples-to-apples conversation. Mm -hmm. It's just not. So there needs to be a lot of education around like understanding that nuance. And that's hard because like we Americans especially are Mm -hmm. trained to just be Amazon consumers essentially. Right. Yes. Like we're trained to, you know, we want our product and we want it now. I think eventually we're all going to be forced over to more ethical shit because yeah. like it's just not sustainable what we're doing now. I agree. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. We can actually all make like more informed decisions on a daily basis that improve and lessen our impact on the world. I hear that a lot from people that they feel very overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the things they would have to do and learn to feel like they were making more ethical choices. Well, just start with one area. Yeah, exactly. With Prem, what are the like ethical and sustainability choices you had to make in order to make it feasible? Sustainability for us is also a conversation about people mm-hmm. and it's a conversation about ethics and in, in labor. Yes. And so here in LA, we work with a fair wage factory. All of the workers and sewers have health benefits. They earn a living wage. That was something that was really important for us. Uh, with our overseas production, we also work with RAP compliant factories. Um, again, this is like a certification, it's third party verified that vets the ethics 
economics and labor conditions of factories. There's definitely this presumption that every factory overseas is a sweatshop. That's very much not true. There are also sweatshops in the United States. In fact, like everyone's iPhone was basically made in a sweatshop. Foxconn is evil. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism period. But you know, a, a lot of factories overseas, like do have very, very stringent ethics and labor practices that they have to enforce, especially some of the largest brands in the world, their exposure that they have through these factories, like they have to be (laughs) very stringent and enforce real ethics and labor practices. I don't necessarily think made in LA is, or made in America is the be all end all of ethical, whatever. I think it's like an option. I think it, it should be an option. It should be a more accessible option. Yeah. It's impossible to say anything is like really 100% ethical, honestly. Like I know these things are, these brands say that they're ethical. What does that mean? Okay. Mm -hmm. They say that that means they're made in the U.S. and they pay fair wages. Okay. Where does the fabric come from? Okay. What is the fabric made out of? Okay. Where does that come from? Right. Okay. Who, who, like who sheared those sheep? Right. Like, where is that? Like, are they being paid? Who, you know, are the sheep being like, there's just so many. Right. Right. It's really overwhelming, yeah. and also there's just no end to, you know, that Portlandia sketch where they like go to a restaurant and they ask about like you know what farm the chicken was from and like what was its name and what was its <laughs> life like. The menu, please let me know. I guess I do have a question about the chicken. If you could just tell us a little bit more about it. Uh, the chicken is a heritage breed, uh, woodland raised chicken that's been fed a diet of sheep's milk. Soy and hazelnuts. Okay, this is this is local. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm gonna ask you just one more time, and it's local. It is. Is that USDA organic or Oregon organic or Portland organic? It's just all across the board organic. The hazelnuts. These are local. How big is the area where the chickens are able to roam free? I'm sorry to interrupt. I have exactly the same question. Four acres. All right. So here is the chicken you'll be oh, enjoying yes. tonight. Uh, his name was Colin. Here are his papers, okay? That's great. They do a lot to make sure that their chickens uh, uh, are very happy. When yeah. you say they, I mean, who are these people raising Colin? It's a farm that's located about uh, 30 I think miles. a lot of brands use sustainability as a buzzword. Yes. And aren't really totally transparent about what that means. So I'm always, like, pretty skeptical of, yeah. <laughs> of brands that, like, really drive that home as, like, a way to brand or market themselves mm-hmm. because... That just means something different. Okay, final question. (laughs) Is there anything else you want our listeners, the family, to know? It's important for everyone to remember, and this is in terms of like all types of consumerism, definitely in terms of plus size fashion uh, and the smaller, newer brands that exist like ours, like Carissa's, is that like there's real humans on the other side Mm -hmm. of those companies. There's humans making your clothing. Mm -hmm. There are humans literally sewing your pieces together. There are humans packing your orders and all of those humans deserve to be compensated Yes, for their labor, for their work, for their minds. We can all make slightly better, more informed decisions each day that lessen our impact without having to like feel the pressure. Trying to be perfect sets people up for failure. Yes. In every arena. In in every part of life. Yeah. Yeah, Even like in terms of how you view yourself and body positivity and everything. Like 
when we put an expectation on people to be perfect, it just sets them up to fail. And I don't want, whether it's body positivity or thinking about sustainability or thinking about accessibility issues for anyone to feel like they can't try to do better because they're so scared of making a mistake. We're all going to make mistakes in all parts of life, but like we can hopefully like learn from them and do better by others. Did that even make sense? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was perfect. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much (laughs) for coming on the show. I hope you will come back again. I would love to. Please look in the show notes for links to all of Nicolette's stuff and Prem's stuff, and we'll drop the links there for like whatever cute thing they have coming out. Speaking of, very on topic, Mm -hmm. um, we kind of did like a whole audit of our inventory and found some quote-unquote, archival prem. Oh, my God. So there might be some old favorites making a very limited comeback around the time that this episode comes out. Oh, my God. Get your jumpsuits, everyone. Yeah. I mean, once they're gone, they're gone. Like, for real. Like, restock is not happening. So, yeah. Wow. Hot tip. Hot tip. Hot tip. All right. Thank you, Nicolette. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. Love Nicolette. Love Prem. They've sponsored the pod before. Uh, I buy a bunch of their stuff. (laughs) Love them. We're going to take a quick break and then I'll be back with Allie Ayers from Busy Swim. Golden wants to change the way you experience jewelry. Their necklaces, rings, bracelets, and earrings are made by hand when you order. That way you can customize your piece. Get a special chain length for your chubby wrists or turn that inside joke into a wearable piece. Golden makes it personal. You probably saw on our Insta that I got these cute little rings for the SAF team with a little engraving, which is a great gift idea if I do say so myself. They also sent me a really cute ring with this flower on it and this beautiful necklace that has like the three muses on it, like three goddesses standing together. And it's like representative of a lot of different cultures that have like three goddesses. I just really, it's very Greek culture nerd. (laughs) I love it. It's beautiful. And I've gotten a lot of compliments on it. Golden is a female-owned company, High Ladies, that shares their profits with causes that empower women around the world. They donate profits to projects dedicated to defending rights and freedoms, promoting mental, emotional wellness, and healing of trauma. Some of their jewelry in specific goes to those places, and you can see that on their site. Golden isn't just making beautiful pieces that look good, they're doing good too. We have a discount code for $5 off any purchase now through August 4th. Just enter SAF at checkout. That's GLDN.com and code SAF for $5 off your handmade, personalized, beautiful jewelry. Tired of DC or Marvel heroes? How about Superfit Hero? All of Superfit Hero's activewear is ethically produced right here in Los Angeles. Plus, all of their pieces are designed and tested with athletes from the whole size range, extra small to 5XL. The leggings and tops fit snugly true to size. I personally wear a 4X legging and a 3X top, and I feel secure and comfortable. 
you know I'm not just wearing my set to work out, I'm also throwing a little chambray top over it to wear it to the farmer's market or when I feel like looking like I'm a cute little athlete. I just love them and I get compliments on them all the time and I put those compliments in my pocket because these leggings have pockets. Whether you're buying a muscle tee to support the LGBTQ plus community or looking for comfy and cute shorts, leggings, and sport crop bras, we got you. Go to superfithero.com slash SAF or use code SAF at checkout for 15% off your order. Like Superfit Hero says, fitness is for everybody. I'm here with Allie of Busy Swim. Can you talk about who you are and what you do? So I'm Allie Ayers. I grew up in Snyder, Oklahoma. I'm a model and an entrepreneur. My most recent uh, venture is this swimwear line, Busy Swim. It's an inclusive line striving to be more inclusive and uh, sustainable and do all the good things. Can you talk a little bit about like kind of that intersection of why you care about being inclusive sizing and like what made you aware of it? Like as someone who is in a body that's very hyped by society and like what you, why you're interested in this? Yeah, it's, it's something I'm trying to be really sensitive about and, and do really well because the heart behind it is truly good. I started modeling when I was in my teens and like many models, there is an eating disorder that follows that, being told over and over again to be a size you're not supposed to be, your body doesn't want to be, really affects you negatively. And so I, I went through that on my own scale and then stopped modeling for a little while when I gained my weight back to where my body wants to rest and then found out a little bit about... Te- I was put in the plus size modeling category. Are you serious? For a long time. Yeah. Were you I'm heavier than you are now? No, heavier than now, but... I was like an eight. Yeah, that is so annoying to me. (laughs) Well, I was mad about it for for people that are actually, you know, in the plus size, you know, and then and then I was being sent to like straight size castings and I was too big, and then plus size castings and I was definitely too small. And so anyway, my awareness was heightened for people that were in between there. And I knew that they weren't being represented in, you know, advertising or really even in, in fashion in the right sizing. So it just made me aware that there is a lack of representation for diversity across the board. Yeah. It just being involved in that and then being <laughs> wrongfully put in the plus size category, it just made me want to do this right for for everybody across the board. Having faced all that stuff in the modeling industry, right? It's like you're probably inundated every day with like thin is good, thin is the ideal. I mean, that must have taken some unpacking. My separation from that came really, I, I encounter more all the time. I was really thrown into in the, in the first bit of modeling to that thin is good, thin is good over and over again. And I just bought it because I was younger. I was trying to get out of this small town. I was dying to go do big things. But since taking that step back that I did from the industry and coming back with this fresh mind, that's actually rooted in logic yeah, <laughs> and a good sense of self, it just all looks so distorted. You yes. know, I think I just try to stay aware of that. I mean, I knew stepping into a swimmer line that I wanted to cater to all these sizes, I was going to have to make sure that all this was done with a lot of care and um, that I didn't have any personal biases with it. So I don't know. I think that's something that I just have encountered for a long time and don't feel attacked by saying 
that maybe other skinny girls have been mean because I've seen it happen. Yeah. It's just like very rare to have someone be like, I'm starting with all the sizes and that's important to me. It's like sadly rare, but it is. Yeah, it is. But, but that's what I am so excited to do here. And that's why I think that Bissy is truly going to go somewhere is because it is so different. One thing that you were like, yes, of course, that I've told you is that like a lot of times it'll be like simple, simple straight size suits. And then the plus size suits, it's like, how is this even related? Yeah. It's like, I just want the same suit as my thin friends, just yeah. like in a way that fits my body, you know? And I like that that's what you're trying to do because that's what I personally want. Like swimsuits are hard because there's so many, they're like the ultimate push on how comfortable you are and what you're comfortable exposing in public and like what you're yeah. comfortable walking around in. I talk about body neutrality because I'm not of the mind that like you have the the little you the little what you wear the more positive you're it's like no it doesn't matter <laughs> you know but it's like I just want to have the same options right you know well that was the, the initial concept from the start you I think you were trying to ask this just like why why did this matter from you mm-hmm. why did this matter to you from the start and I think I was that's hard to answer because it just seems so like a duh thing to me. I it does to me too, but apparently a lot of people it's not. <laughs> obviously, like the fashion industry is showing us that it's not. But it's like I at any size, shouldn't you get to have this like super high quality, simple, chic, yeah. in style option that makes you look phenomenal at yeah. every level, every size, yeah. whatever that you are. You've never used the word flattering when we've talked about this, and I appreciate that because I hate that word. I think it's really? there. Yes, because when it's used for plus size stuff, it, it always means how can we flatter you to make you like look thinner? And especially with bathing suits, that's annoying to me, as you know, because I'm always like, you're in a bathing suit. It's obvious how fat you are. But, but that's not what it's about. It's exactly. not about like covering. It's not these billions of ruffles and like layers yes. to cover this stuff. It's just to make exactly what you are look as awesome as it exactly you know well, so it's celebrating like it's it's going in with the assumption that your body is good and so we want to show it off yeah instead of like we want to hide the problem areas the suit and the style is what you're going for not like trying to look thin trying to look thin trying to look right. thin because a big part of my mission too with with all women is to disarm that piece of them that feels like they need the thing that's gonna keep them in yeah. or the thing that's gonna you know, need to be nipped and tucked or whatever. Like, I hope that that's a part that can be affected too, because that was a big part of my growth with my body journey, kind of choosing to love the parts that I didn't think were worthy of it. Okay. Y'all know what I had to ask. Talking to so many indie fashion brands, I've become so invested in just getting some transparency around the production process for plus size clothing. So I had to ask Allie. So can you talk a little bit about the behind the scenes part of it? Like how do you go from a, an idea to like making this and what have been the barriers towards being ethical and inclusive and in making like your own small line? It's hard. I will start with that. And and this has all been just funded by by me and my modeling checks and my restaurant job checks. And financially, this is always a challenge, but um, how that looks from the start. I mean, I'm I'm sketching these suits, then I take them to my factory, and from the start of this whole thing, I I took them into my pattern maker, and there was a lot of pushback on anything outside of my, like, small to large scale. And do you think that came from, like, bigotry or from, like, not knowing how to do it, or, like, where do you think that came from? So the woman that I worked with has worked with some really incredible lines that are not inclusive, Mm -hmm. but are very big, and um, she knows what she's doing. She makes really beautiful suits, but... I think 
she's older and didn't want to get outside of the box that she had been in for her whole life. She also has seen what sells and what doesn't. Yeah. And I came in with this concept that I wanted to make sure, because typically how things are done is you bring in a fit model, one typically one fit model, and you do all of your fittings on her, and then you do a few of those and move on and do your whole mass production of your line. Grading to a straight size. And I wanted to have at least, I'm starting now with three fit models. So we have a smaller size, medium size, larger size so that we can reconstruct the fit on each body. She just thought that was all excessive and a waste of my money. She was like, these samples are like $300 a pop. So every time I'm doing that and then I'm doing it on two other girls and then I'm doing it like a third or fourth fit, it's just It's a lot of money. It's just expensive. Yeah. So I can see why people are hesitant to do that. It's just, that's what I'm trying to do is set a standard here. What should be expected of everyone? Yeah. It's a balance, right? Where it's like all the other interviews I've done for this too. It's like, yeah, it's hard to do it with the way the system is set Mm -hmm. up. And yet you're doing it and it wasn't a question for you. Right. It's not always the individual small brand's decision. It's like the way that the industry is set up. And one thing I talked to Danny about a lot was like, hopefully trickle up stuff will happen yeah. where it's like people, bigger brands start seeing like, oh, actually like this does sell. <laughs> like people do want this. The questions that you're asking to your followers or just the feedback you're giving from your own perspective, the way that I can go, okay, I need this information to do this properly. Or I hadn't thought about that. or I didn't realize that word wasn't yeah. taken well or whatever. You know, I'm excited to see you do that and start <laughs> revolutionizing from your side of things. And of course, in addition to inclusivity, we also had to have a convo about sustainability. That's ethical business, baby. From the start, I knew I wanted to hire within the U.S. so everything is produced and hired here. For me, that means, I mean, putting jobs back into the States, but also knowing what I'm knowing what I'm hiring. I can yeah. see it with my eyes. Really now we're moving towards some different packaging choices, Um little things like eliminating the poly bags that we were supposed to by standard um, provide for our suits to be shipped in individually. Every single top, every single bottom was supposed to have a piece of plastic wrapped around it. So it's certainly a work in progress, but we're getting there. Yeah. I think that's very cool. It's like anything else, like all the other people I've talked to have also underscored that it would have been much cheaper and easier to do like unethical factory production. Absolutely. Ever, no, it, it's so. It would be so easy to just outsource, send it to somewhere else, yeah. To keep it to the limited sizes that don't require, you know, a little extra love, yeah. and and make your money that way. But in the end, I don't think that that would actually serve me financially, or certainly not morally. You know, has been said over and over again. That's the key to running a successful business or creating a product product that's really going to sell is what's not there, what's yeah. not being served, and. This isn't. Exactly. I just want to be able to match with my friend Nina. Yeah. She's thin and I'm fat and I want to be able to match with her. That's it. Yep. And that kind of like encompasses like I want the same access as her. And also again, it's like, especially with swimsuits. So the conversation stays with small and mid fats. Like I think there's very few options for people who are super fat. And I also think there's even very, like very little, like nobody's asking them. Like what, right. what, it, what do you want? Yeah. You know? Well, and that's why I think that the idea that we talked about of a, just a, a customizable yes. choice, like if people get on and they don't fit it in the sizes that I can afford to keep in stock, at least you can hire this person to have our exact design made for you, yes. you know? And so that's something we're working on implementing now. Which is so cool because that, again, that is more money. And yet that is the only way I think to be truly inclusive mm-hmm. is to be like, 
well, I know that not everybody is going to fall even within these extended sizes. Or if there's someone who has a disability or is is a disabled person whose body is like shaped differently Mm -hmm. than like the suits would fit, you know? And so it was very cool to be like, oh, like you're going to create something like for my shape, (laughs) but I've never seen that for suits at all other than, oh, you're fat. Like here's a ruffle. Fine. Or even, you know? Yeah. So I'm like very excited about us working together on this. So we will follow up with you. And as we continue to progress, we'll see. And I will keep everyone updated with the progress we make on your suits that are beautiful. So excited. <laughs> Thank you for talking with us today. Loved it. Thank you for having How me. How can people find you in the suits right now? Right. Um, Instagram is at Vissy Swim and at Allie E. Ayers, A-L-L-I-E, E-A-Y-E-R-S. And then you can go to Vissy's website, VissySwim.com. Yeah. We're just in a gather all the data space right now. So if you are in one of those categories you feel is underserved, I just want to know what you're looking for within my realm, within like a simple, clean, beautiful bathing suit. What do you want? Yeah. Great. So at her, literally at her. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Allie. Thank you. Bye. Ugh, I'm literally ready to do a big fat cannonball into a pool right now. Just kidding. I would never do that because a cannonball is wedgie city and I'm just here trying to lounge in my fat kini with an ice latte or something. Much more my style. Well, there you have it. Part two of small biz, big fashion, sewn up in the bag and shipped on regular shipping. I will not pay for extra shipping ever. We solved ethical fat fashion, and I expect that every one of you listeners will start your own indie company and sell a plethora of plus-size clothing, and that there will be a few swimsuit companies that sell exclusively super fat-sized bikinis. You can call them super-kinis. You're welcome. Goodbye. I solved it. And that's our show. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Khan, and the iconic April K. Quio, who is on a break this season. You know what she said to me the other day, though, was... Laying on the floor, it's about 100 degrees. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions via email or voice recording to FYI at she's Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show. If you leave us a review on Apple podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the pod next week. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish and our logo is by Britt Scott. This episode was co-produced and edited by Maria Ortel. Our junior producer is Lynn Barbera. Our lovely, amazing new interns are Freya Salander and Yelly Cruz. I am our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Bye.
I'm sure you saw, I like shared some very sad fedora photos of myself. I laughed so hard. Um, it's a phase. I think it's a phase that a lot of, of especially queer people yeah. went through. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.